Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Healthy Dose of Dialogue podcast. I'm your host, Don Antonucci, Senior Vice President of Growth at Blue Shield of California. My guest today is Ahmad Thomas. Ahmad is the CEO of the Silicon Valley Leadership Group, a business organization that represents hundreds of the Silicon Valley's most dynamic companies working to shape the innovation economy of California and the nation. I've had the privilege of serving as a board member for the Silicon Valley Leadership Group for several years, and I can tell you it is an amazing organization that's doing important work to live up to its vision of shaping the future of the Silicon Valley. Thank you so much for joining me, Ahmad. Thank you so much, Don. Real pleasure to be on here. Uh, always nice to chat with you. I want to start out, Ahmad, uh, really with taking a step back and uh, talking about your background and learning a bit more about, you know, what brought you to the Silicon Valley Leadership Group. You're, you're coming up on a year as the CEO, but you've got a pretty diverse background. Could you share more about um, your career? And so the journey to Silicon Valley, I'm a Californian born and raised, small town guy from Lompoc, California, a military family. So my dad was last stationed at Vandenberg Air Force Base. Uh, but the journey really came from Washington, D.C. So I did my, my undergrad back east. I went to grad school for public policy and later went to business school. Uh, straight out of grad school, I was working on Capitol Hill for Senator Feinstein. Uh, my wife was in med school at Georgetown. She placed at Stanford for her residency training, <laughs> uh, and she came out and did her residency and fellowship and ultimately joined the faculty. Uh, I love D.C. Working for Senator Feinstein was an absolute uh, dream. She's been a mentor and just someone I immensely respect. But when my wife said that was it, and you know how the match system works, that was it. So I had to pack my bags and, and come, come back home. And so it was that transition that brought me back to Silicon Valley. I spent uh, a decade as an investment banker, uh, all, all focused around infrastructure deals. And uh, looking at, you know, I think George Floyd, looking at the opportunities to really drive impact. And frankly, uh, for organizations like SVLG, uh, these business associations, you don't often get uh, business executives stepping into these roles. You get a lot of great elected officials and policy people and government community leaders who are heck of a lot, probably sharper than me in a lot of ways. But, but what I do know is, uh, you know, how to really organize and orient businesses to be successful and, and profitable. Uh, and I also have a set of lived experiences, which we can, we can talk about as well, that I think uh, differentiate me. So a bit of a long-winded answer there, but uh, it, it's really been a wonderful now uh, going into 11 months on the job, incredible organization. I'm, I'm very, very glad that I've left the private sector to come here. That's that's incredible. And I, I remember being really excited, um, not only when it was announced that you were coming in, but when I got to see you in action in some of the in some of the different board meetings and forums, because you, you definitely bring such an amazing uh, business background and lens to what you're doing, the Silicon Valley Leadership Group. And it's been fun to uh, just kind of see you uh, see you in action related to healthcare. I think it, you know you started in August, and then one of your first big interview platforms with Dr. Anthony Fauci in October of 2020, um, and that was that was really neat to see you in action there, asking him questions and hearing the responses at the time. Anything you would share from that experience? 
Well, I'd say a few things. First of all, that was incredible on a lot of levels. That was, you know, last fall in the middle of the pandemic around October. And it was actually on our program. We had about 3,000 attendees for this conversation. That is when the announcement of 100,000 cases uh, daily of COVID in the country was broke. It was a scary time, as, as we all recognize. Again, I was married to someone in healthcare. I saw firsthand what was going on. And uh, I, I should say right here at the top of the podcast, huge shout out to the doctors and nurses, all the line staff. Uh, I, I get it. You know, my, my sister-in-law is an ER doc. Uh, down in Orange County, this this has not been an easy time for these families. And talking to Dr. Fauci and, and hearing his prognosis and assessment uh, of where we were, it, it brought some hope because he was very clear around the vaccine timeline, very clear, and we held to that timeline. But it was also quite unnerving as he talked about the 100,000 cases and just uh, the degree to which the pandemic was spreading. And uh, if, if you go back and see the clip, he just answered with a level of detail that just demonstrated what someone who's been doing this job for 50 years knows. So uh, I was just blown away by uh, the capacity he had. He talked about not having a vacation day since the pandemic had started. You know, and we had that back and forth about, hey, in Silicon Valley, we've got your back. But it's just a reminder of, of the personal commitment and how much goes into this for our medical professionals and how lucky we were to have someone, again, you can put the politics aside, just look at someone in that position uh, guiding the ship. I think if we did not have someone like that leading the pandemic response effort, perhaps the response, um, you know, would not have been as effective. Yeah, that's right. You know, what what, I, what struck me during that conversation, because I really enjoyed that. Um, and I know we were excited to have some of our, we, we actually invited some of our employees, but also some of our business partners to see that. I was so impressed with, uh, with the candor. You know, at Blue Shield, we talk a lot about yeah, health, creating a healthcare system that's worthy of our family and friends and sustainably affordable. And we talk about values like human, honest, and courageous. And I guess I was really surprised in a good way about how he just like hit that right, you know, head on. He really came across as human, honest, courageous in that interview. Well, he made it easy for me. Uh, again, there were no restrictions. Nothing was off limits. I said, whatever, go ask him the questions. Uh, right. And as, I, as we said, his knowledge base is so vast, he could answer everything in great detail. But um, the, the flip side of that is that was at a time where we were starting to see some some personal threats come out to him. Uh, we would hear from uh, our top leaders um, real criticism that went beyond disagreement, but was pretty visceral. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll underscore it again. But my mom's a nurse, my uh, retired, my wife's a doctor, a lot of, lot of medical professionals in my family, my sister's a dentist. It's hard not to take that personally. You know, these guys are out busting their tails, trying to keep all of us safe and to at least not admire that. It really rubbed me the wrong way. And we brought them on literally while I, I think there had been some really negative comments that came out. Uh, about a week prior to him being on. So I also felt like we needed to give him a platform uh, where we could tell him 
all of our executives here in Silicon Valley, our board, these companies, all these great leaders that you see here, we've got your back. We get it. And he, we, he had a nice rapport. And then I, I think maybe it meant something to him. Uh, obviously, he's at a level where he knows not to take this stuff personally. But uh, certainly at the time, I felt that he and so many of our health professionals deserve better, frankly. You know, clearly you, you're in healthcare. Uh, I don't know if the medical professionals around you felt the same way, but it was hard not to take it personally. I agree with you 100%. It was a wonderful interview. Ahmad, so as you've come in with your, your background, you're, you've got, like, you talked a little bit, touched on some of your background. What, um, with the Silicon Valley Leadership Group, healthcare is one of the things you're focused on of many. You know, the economy, diversity, equity, inclusion is a, is a big deal. What has been um, surprising maybe to you as you've come into this role for the 11 months that you've you know, come in? Like, I'm sure you had certain expectations about, here's what it's going to be, here's what I'm going to bring to it. But what, what's kind of been a surprise to you? I'd say maybe three things. The first is it's much harder than you think uh, to manage a team in a pandemic um, coming on as a new person. When you're not able to see, especially new uh, employees in person, when they're not able to kind of feel uh, the vision and maybe just get a sense of who you are, it takes more time to build that rapport. Uh, and I actually got really good guidance from you know, Steve Milligan, who was CEO at Western Digital and had, had been the chair of the leadership group, uh, Jed York with the Niners, uh, Vicki Huff at PwC has been so helpful. The point was focus internally. Take the time each week to meet with your team, your staff, and you're just going to have to put a little more work in. Things may go a little bit more slowly than you'd like, but uh, build that foundation. So that's one thing that uh, even with the great focus I've put on that, it's been harder than I expected. And by that, I mean just to build the, the type of natural rapport and comfort that you can get in a few meetings. And also just from a communication standpoint, we've had to put infrastructure in place so our teams can share files. You know, we've, we now have box so we can share files properly and communicate across teams because we're in a, a remote working environment. So th that's been one piece. I would say a second piece, which has been a pleasant surprise, is when we talk about diversity, when we talk about equity, um, you know, I remember when I was originally contacted about uh, going through the interview process for this job, I'll say it, I didn't know how authentic uh, many of these execs might be about capturing this moment. When I talk about the business background, I see these diversity issues as competitiveness issues for our companies. And you know this really well, Don. I know how much of a priority it is um, at Blue Shield, as we've discussed offline. Um, I didn't know how authentic that connection would be. And I've been very pleasantly surprised that everything I was told uh, being interviewed and frankly uh, told in direct conversations, as we said, is this the right fit and do I want to come on? Everything I've been told our executives have held to to a T. And in fact, this is leads to the third thing I'd say, the only challenge I have is at a nonprofit, you just have you know, a lack of resources, big corporation to come to a, a you know, 35 person team, of a very small entity. We've had incredible leadership and we've done such a great job for four decades here in Silicon Valley, but we do so with limited resources, obviously as a nonprofit. 
And so uh, the third challenge I would say for anyone looking at transitioning from that corporate private sector environment to a nonprofit is the, the resource constraints are real and it really requires a shift in your management mindset to focus on the core priorities. Just don't have the resources to execute much beyond that. It strikes me as I, as I was listening to you speak, you, you've got such an amazing business background. You're leading this important group, the Silicon Valley Leadership Group. Um, that again, healthcare is one of the things that that's a, that's a focus there. From your perspective, um, what what would be your question or message for the healthcare industry? You know, whether it's providers, health plans, you're really thinking through all right, what has to happen from your perspective versus maybe an industry insider perspective? I think that'd be really valuable, you know, not only to me, but to our listeners. Yeah, there's probably three, three priorities. Again, this rule of threes that, that I see, at least maybe talking at, at first conceptually around healthcare where there are potentially opportunities. Uh, first, we're looking at cost and co- cost structures, right? Reducing healthcare costs is for employers and employees, providers, insurers. Uh, critically important when we talk about business competitiveness, when we talk about uh, budgeting for our companies. Um, and obviously, especially for small businesses, when you look at healthcare and, and benefits costs, they're significant. So you have that cost structure. Uh, you know, second is probably pandemic relief. Uh, I've been very focused on how our members navigate this, this challenging period, but this notion of how we come out of this better than we were before, given what was obvious to a lot of us, but became very clear about the disparities uh, around equity and race, uh, in particular related to healthcare, shown by the pandemic. Uh, but maybe ultimately where I see tremendous potential and opportunity is around telehealth and technology innovation. So what I hope to be doing in my role at SVLG is helping to Uh, on the policy side, create a regulatory framework where necessary, uh, support, uh, enhancement, whatever you want to call it, help use our state, federal strictures to drive and expand this technology. Because with technology, you always have the businesses moving at a much faster pace than government. For a lot of reasons, businesses have to take an MVP to market, you know, minimal viable product. You have to deliver for your consumers or you don't survive. Um, and, and government is just not that way. Those efficiencies don't exist for better or for worse. And so there needs to be, uh, I think, in my mind, a happy medium, at least from a knowledge standpoint of our elected leaders and our elected leaders most focused around healthcare on those committees in DC and Sacramento regionally, understanding the value proposition around telehealth. I see it with my wife. I mean, there's um, at Stanford and she's a specialist, but telehealth provides more access to that specialized care. Uh, If you're in a rural area, you know, you, you, uh, or if you're mobility impaired, right? If you're seeing a specialist, you could have all sorts of ailments that you're dealing with. And telehealth helps uh, provide access to you. And actually, while digital divide is a, a huge issue that you know we're very focused on, telehealth is also a field leveler 
because all you need is a phone, which a lot of folks do have. So as I talked to my wife, I talked to some of her colleagues about this um, at Stanford and they're fortunate now you've got the, the system needs to have the infrastructure to build that out and a hospital like that clearly does. But so long as you can download that app, you're good to go, right? And this is across many specialties and, and many different sets, sets of doctors. So, you know, I think that innovation component to, uh, to technology and what I can do to help drive private sector solutions and put conditions in place for the private sector su- to succeed, those are, that's where the opportunity set lies, at least in my view, and that's reflecting what I hear from our executives. Uh, when you look at clinical trials, right, and the ability to screen for clinical trials, you can have someone in LA who doesn't have to come up here to, to participate or be part of the procedure. Um, you know, I, I, I think if you look at some of the maybe core issues coming out of this pandemic related to health equity and related to access, I would see telehealth as potentially one of the biggest uh, drivers of, uh, of providing more access and, and providing more equity and care. Now, there's no substitute for in-person. In I'm not saying that this would be a, a, a substitute. Opportunities uh, abound for, uh, I, I think, continued progress here. I agree. But what does health equity mean to you? I can tell you in my mind, it's about removing barriers to access. Um, if I were to, to, to boil it down to something that's actionable, it's quite clear the set of problems that we've, we've got. Um, much of them, you could argue, are economic, but they're also deeply systemic. Um, we talked about this with Dr. Fauci, right? Distrust in black and brown communities around the vaccine. And it's not unwarranted given, um, given our history. It's a multifactorial um, issue. But if I were to boil down that definition to, to one actionable thought, to me, it's about eliminating, eliminating those barriers to access. Makes sense. Ahmad, you know, taking a step back, what are you most excited about or focused on for our listeners around the Silicon Valley Leadership Group and you know what needs to be done, and, and where you're you're taking that organization, but really with the focus on the Silicon Valley, what needs to change, and what are you excited about with that? We've got an opportunity here coming out of the pandemic, I think, to to be better than we've ever been before. We've been very fortunate, uh, given the technology and the innovation of so many of our companies, uh, Zoom in particular. Right, we're sitting here on Zoom that we've been able to thrive uh, in some respects from a corporate perspective. Um, in this pandemic, which is critically important. It'd be myopic to say that um, while this inequity is, is so, uh, so clear in Silicon Valley, we can also understand that our in- innovation infrastructure remains robust. And without that, those equity disparities would be tenfold what they are, uh, right? So there's a reason as someone who's community and civically minded, as someone who really cares about impact, that I left what I was doing to come here because I believe our businesses can help provide big solutions and they have um, for quite some time here. But this is a really expensive place to live and we're creating a lot of jobs and, and don't have the housing production to support that. Um, we, we look at our tax structure and 
kind of the costs of operating a business in California, and it's not great versus other places. So I would say those, those core business competitiveness issues and bringing some fresh thinking to how we go about solving those problems is where I see my greatest value at. And by fresh thinking, I mean, I don't believe um, going out and raising taxes is our best solution here uh, for every problem we have. Because for one, these are inelastic issues. You can only go so high. And, and with a certain you know, or state sales tax, et cetera, there are actual limits. Uh, but also there is private sector capital that if deployed creatively, if we take housing, for example, uh, can help solve some of these problems. There's a multi-trillion dollar ESG uh, movement happening with institutional investors. ESG is environmental social governance. As an investment banker, I led the first ever uh, social bond uh, in America for a nonprofit, which we placed in the uh, multi-trillion dollar US uh, municipal market. This was for HealthRight360, a community health services provider, serve about 40,000 patients across the state. And, and I sit on their board of directors now as well. But that was an entity that was in a really difficult position financially. They took a, a debt instrument to market that was focused on their social impact. And they were able to have a 10 times over subscription in investors, meaning a lot of people wanted to get in and more people wanted to buy this debt and debt was available to sell, right? 10 times more almost, I think solely due to uh, really wanting to support an impact-focused organization. So to me, if I were to crystallize where those private sector opportunities might lie, uh, maybe, you know, this is climate, this is health, this is, this is housing. There's many ways of categorizing ESG, but it's matching the projects with private capital. Uh, and that private capital could either be from our companies where they have an interest, and many of them do, and are applying those to dissolve through their treasury functions, but are applying those investments now either directly or through bonds. Um, so our companies and uh, the large institutions. And, you know, I have uh, JP, Goldman, uh, Morgan Stanley, uh, Barclays, where I was previously, all have very, very significant investments and focus around ESG. So I think there's, in terms of entrepreneurial private uh, sector solutions, uh, frankly, a real dearth of that kind of thinking and conversation happening. And that's what I'm trying to change. Yeah. And that's where your background and expertise has just been amazing. There's a gap there, I think, a lot of times. And you've got that world of experience. And like you've talked about, you're bringing it to nonprofits like HelpRight360. Um, and, but even just in the conversations that you're having with the Silicon Valley Leadership Group and the members of, of, of that organization, uh, it's been pretty powerful to watch. So um, anyways, your, your leadership has been incredible there. The challenge will become you know, going from uh, laying out a very good set of ideas to actually uh, executing upon it. What I find often is that you, you, you get folks who just talk about these same problems for years and years and years. And being new to this role, I, I don't have these relationships. So I can say that and hopefully not offend too many people. Um, but uh, th there just has to be more entrepreneurial thinking and how we, how we drive policy solutions. 
and how we ultimately execute upon them. Yeah, you know, that really resonates with me. Um, So I've been in healthcare for about 25 years, and I feel so fortunate to be at Blue Shield because we are actually looking to transform healthcare. And you can talk about that, or you can, I love your word, execute. So what we're doing is, you know, picking prototypes, picking approaches, but then looking to scale them in a meaningful way that actually transforms healthcare. And to your point, there's, there needs to be more of that, not just in, in business or in the Silicon Valley, but for sure in the healthcare industry. Because like you, you mentioned some things around health equity, we know what the issues are, we know what the problems are. So let's get some solutions in there and let's start to execute and, uh, and, and scale those because it's needed now more than ever. And the good news is the technology, the way of doing things, um, there's absolutely um, you know, a, a path to be able to make, make things happen. So Right, but there's not a path with the same people. And so when, um, you know, I've been focused, as you know, on startups, right? We've got an in- initiative at SVLG trying to bring in 100 startups. It's called the 100 Startups Initiative. Uh, and uh, trying to focus on at least 25% of those founders being underrepresented founders, mm. which is in line with our organizational, um, one of our signature initiatives, 25 by 25 on diversity. And we've got some really great healthcare startups that we've brought into the SVLG fold that are helping us think through this or giving us solutions that we can then drive and amplify um, most recently, I'd mentioned one, which is R0 that closed a, a $40 million round. And uh, that was their series B. They actually uh, do this hospital grade cleaning. That's essentially, and I, this is layman's term stuff. I can't, I'm, <laughs> I'm an MBA. I'm not a, an engineer, but essentially what they do is have a product that can automate cleaning stuff at a um, extremely high level for businesses, for stadiums that reopen, it allows for that reopen to occur with, with peace of mind and safety. Uh, that, that's just one example, but um, we just have an incredible set of startups that are providing entrepreneurial thinking and ideas and also providing faces for us to, to put out uh, with new ideas on how we might solve some of these uh, longstanding but not intractable problems. Ahmad, I wanted to start to wrap here with some rapid fire questions for you, um, where you can come up with one word or a brief sentence. Um, so I'd love to ask you a few of these. The first one is, what is one thing that you do to stay healthy? Yeah, I, I, and I wish, I wish this was hard and I had 15 things to choose from in a super healthy lifestyle, uh, but it's, it's walking. Um, I, I try to take... Uh, calls where possible, walking. Uh, I've got a great dog uh, who, who I take out and try to walk at night. But uh, that is one thing through the pandemic uh, I, I haven't lost. I, I probably walk, I don't know, five to seven miles a day just on phone calls. Excellent. And what is the most used health-related app on your phone? I, I use the I, iPhone health app to track steps. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing super complicated there, but I, it, you know, it shows me what I did this week versus that week. And I just make sure I'm hitting my baseline. And when, when you're not working, what can we find you doing? Oh, I love sports. Um, 
So, I mean, I, I love to watch football in particular, but it's, it's time with my kids. I mean, I'm usually doing something with my two boys and my wife, uh, and it's often sports related. So we're out playing basketball or football, uh, doing a lot outdoors. The pandemic, I think, has been really great for people, getting them on our hiking in the sense that it's got us outside more, getting us on hiking trails, getting us uh, more dogs. So you have pet companions that actually can be very good for the soul and very positive health, health impact. So we're usually outside running around with our kids. Awesome. Ahmad, thanks so much for the time today. This was, this was great. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, any, anything we can be doing at SVLG to continue your work around innovate, innovation, racial justice, equity, uh, so many of these important priorities, we're here to help. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You know, I hope you walked away with just the um, the amazing uh, business background, passion and execution oriented focus that Ahmad's leadership style brings to the Silicon Valley Leadership Group and around healthcare, and, you know, just the, some of the dialogue around health equity and, um, and, and how we need to uh, really, you know, be able to use technology like telehealth in a, in a way to reach populations differently. I hope you walked away with uh, some of that thinking and uh, an excitement for what we can do together. For more information about the Silicon Valley Leadership Group, please visit www.svlg.org. And join us next time as we continue to bring you a healthy dose of insights and perspectives based on conversations with leaders who are transforming healthcare. We'd love to hear your feedback, share your comments, and let us know your thoughts by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also join the conversation on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dose of Dialogue, or visit our website at doseofdialogue.com.